Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to The Captain's Collective. Today we have a special Father's Day episode, and this episode's special in two different ways. First, in it we sit down and interview my father, Chip Levine, who runs FC Charters in Carabelle, Florida, and started his guiding business after 30 years of being in law enforcement with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission. It's also special because it's dedicated to Josh's dad, Bob Wells, who passed away back in 2016 and was an incredible husband, father, pastor, friend, and angler. Fair warning, this conversation is a bit emotional as we talk about Bob and the influence that he had in our life and the incredible man that he was, but I know that you guys are going to enjoy it. Thank you again for listening. This is The Captain's Collective. Success is a gift. Excellence is the only thing to strive for. He tried to eat it. He tried to eat it. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. He got him. He's on. Got uh, two butt caps off the rods. Filled them with tequila. We took a shot and out we went. There, there ain't no getting into it after that. It's you're, you're hooked. It's a bad habit. And all the time, flips the, he's standing there ready to go for a tarpon. Anytime I said, you talk so much, you're like a senator. All right, well, hey, I'm excited to have a special Father's Day interview. And before we get into the interview and interview my dad, Chip Levine, we just wanted to take a moment, too, to dedicate this podcast to Josh's dad, Bob Wells, who we lost back in 2016. And this can really be a challenging day when we talk about Father's Day because so many of us have been impacted by great men, and we've been blessed to have awesome fathers, but it's also a challenging day, too, for those who have lost people that they've loved and held dear. So I just wanted, I asked Josh just to give us just a little bit of background and story about his dad and then how he has impacted our lives as well. Uh, wow, how would you describe Bob Wells? Um, I think, one, he loved the Lord. Two, he loved his family. Uh, he had me, I was his third son. He had two sons before me. I had two older brothers and a little sister. Um, and then my mom, uh, he, I think we were besides, besides serving the Lord, we were his, his first priority. Um, and three, he, he loved the outdoors. He, from a very, very young age, I mean, riding around in a car seat, we were out in the woods, we were on the boat, um, just outside enjoying God's creation hunting and fishing he uh when I was 10 we moved to a lake here near Tallahassee and uh he always told me he's like this is going to be the best thing that ever happened for you you know and it and it was you know I was there wasn't a day I wasn't on a boat on on the lake fishing or you know wakeboarding or skiing or whatever or you know hunting or it just there's so many things that he introduced me to and he gave me the freedom to just go and experience the outdoors in a way that not very many people get a chance to do. Um, I'm very thankful that, that I had the dad that I had. He's not very many people can say that. I don't think, um, if there'd be one thing, you know, just in father's day in general that I could try to pass on to people, uh, don't take those times for granted. Um, I try to say this without crying. (laughs) Uh, you know, if he wants to go, go. You know, if tired from work or whatever, just don't don't take that just don't take that time with them for granted. Uh, two, take pictures, man. <laughs> I 
I look back and, and I have very, very few pictures of just me and my dad fishing or hunting or doing whatever, but not that we weren't doing those things. We just never took the time to take a picture, you know, and I'm not saying you got to post it or whatever on your Facebook or anything like that. Just take it so you have it. So when those, so when that loved one is gone, you can, you can look back and remember those times. And I, man, what you said about Bob, like his, his love for the Lord, his love for others, his love for the outdoors, man, everybody who knows Bob, man, that is an affectionate dude right there. But he's a big, we used to call him big Bob. You know, he's a big dude and he's a, he's a man's man because he ran a, a church and he ran a rehab facility and worked with some guys who were in a tough place in life, had to have some hard, hard conversations with people. And he wasn't afraid to be, I mean, he was a man's man, but at the same time, he really loved people well. And that was one of the things that I remember about when you and I became friends back in high school and we, you know, we'd run around on the lake or go out and catch bass or try to kill wood ducks or whatever, you know, and I got to spend time around Bob and get to know him was just how well he loved people and how he was uh, tough and tender, you know, tough enough to do some pretty <laughs> do some pretty hard things, say some hard things to you. I remember when we got got in one night back in high school and you had broke one of you know, we used to have these like waterproof flip phones and Josh had like dropped it in the lake uh, that was over by our house and you know, Josh had dropped this phone in the lake and we got home and the new one had come in the mail and we got into Josh's house and it was probably out know 9 30 <laughs> PM, but Bob was already asleep and him and his wife, they, they had kind of like an open floor plan at the, the lake, lake house. house man. <laughs> <laughs> so we came in the kitchen, but the kitchen was connected to their room. <laughs> and so we come in there and Josh turned on that phone and all of a sudden it started this like turn on system this like power on system making all these noises and stuff and i just remember bob just ripping into josh and <laughs> that was one of those funny things he woke up at about four o'clock or four thirty the next morning kind of like he always did and he was sitting at the table and i was sleeping on the couch and he, he was reading his bible and he looked at me and he goes i'm sorry you had to hear that it just had to be done but you know bob was such a fun uh, affectionate guy and you know austin didn't get the privilege to meet to meet bob and know him but my dad and i did and you know, he, he really made a huge impact in the lives of everybody he interacted with. And I know he made a huge impact in the life of my dad. I know you wanted to say a few things oh, as yeah. well. When you think about Bob Wells, you think about hugs. You know, Bob would just hug you and love you. He's uh was a great man and had a great influence on my life. Somebody you could always go and talk to. And uh, I love, I love fishing with Bob Wells. And I remember we'd go, Fisher stripers, it'd be freezing cold, ice on the deck, and and we'd be up there pitching for stripers. And he kind of introduced me to that, which was just a blast. And one of my favorite stories about Bob is we were in the dark, nobody was there. We were pitching for stripers way before daylight, and I'm you know we, the water's churning, and I'm trying to keep my balance and throwing these huge jigs and I hear Bob and I look at him and he's laughing sitting down laughing in the front of the boat and I said Bob what in the world are you doing and he said man I can just picture my daddy in heaven saying rabbit what you doing fishing with the game warden <laughs> and uh, that's just a fond memory of one of many with Bob just a great guy and we're gonna post some photos put a little bit more information out there but just as we 
celebrate Father's Day. You know, it's a great time to go out and grill burgers or go out on the boat with your dad, but also just a great day too to celebrate and to remember all the incredible dads that have passed. And who one of the coolest things to me has just to be to see how his legacy has lived on in Josh's life and the life of his sons and daughter. And I'll just I'll never forget. I don't think that I've ever been to a funeral where there were just so many people who had been so deeply impacted by one person. And I just, you know, I don't think I've ever seen that. And it is just neat. And not only does all of Bob's kids look a lot like him, <laughs> which fortunately for the, uh, for the sake of Josh's sister, she doesn't look, she looks a little <laughs> bit more like her mom, but you know, they live that he continues to live on. And we just, as before we really dove in the podcast, we just want to take a moment to honor Bob and to honor those who have lost their fathers. You know, uh, I remember one time I never had the honor to fish with my grandfather and uh, I knew he was a great fisherman. I, more important than that, I knew he was a great man. So uh, I told my mom one time that uh, that I was, you know, man, I, I wish I would have got to know my grandfather and, and, and she told me you did, but it was through your dad. Mm. And I see that with Josh a lot. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that's that's the beauty of a legacy and uh, a privilege of knowing a good man and him raising his son right. So. And, and just with that, as we kind of talk about how he's impacted so many people's life, you know, um, and, and walk through with so many people, kind of uh, them just becoming better fathers, better men. You know, he's impacted our lives deeply, but I'd love for you just to tell some of your background and some of your story about how you got into fishing and how you got into guiding. Well, you know, I was raised by great parents. Uh, my father was a great man, and I lost him several years ago as well, but uh, grew up on a lake, fished way more than I should, you know, all the in time. Tampa. In Tampa. And uh, fished all the time man that's what I did we didn't have you know the distractions of today and every day I'd get home I'd go fishing and my mom would be hollering at me to come in and do homework or or uh eat but had a great childhood and had a few men that uh invested in me and introduced me to saltwater and other types of fishing uh, my father he worked a lot he had uh four children I have three sisters and uh, man just enjoyed the outdoors, loved it more than anything. Went off to college for a year, d decided it wasn't for me. Uh, had an opportunity to go to work for Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office in 1981. Went to work there, loved it, believed in what I was doing, believed in the law, was passionate about it. And uh, ended up being uh, a canine handler with Hillsborough County and then in 1987 went to Game and Fish and worked there for 28 years fishing wildlife in the end you know so I had 33 years of law enforcement 28 of them were, were with uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife and that's kind of my background I love the outdoors I felt like uh, I had a sergeant at Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office when we played canine tracks we'd let them age and he talked about Fish and Wildlife didn't have a canine program. and Wouldn't it be cool to go there and start something like that? And I had that opportunity to do that. Man, and I, I just loved it. I loved being out there in it. I loved uh, serving the people that 
enjoyed the outdoors. And I retired from Fish and Wildlife in 2014. And then, as you well know, I, I ran some boats for a while and had the opportunity to learn from an older fella uh, a lot about fishing and, and fishing offshore and opened a charter business. Let me back up just a little bit. I was a game warden. I'm going to say it was 1987-ish, uh, 88-ish. I was in Homosassa Springs, and I met a guy who was just starting guiding, and that's Jimmy Long. And, and at that time, I wanted to guide, but our agency wouldn't allow us to do it. So, you know, I kind of kept track with Jimmy through the years and talked to him and watched him. And then once I retired, I was in a position to kind of just fulfill that dream of 28, 30 years ago mm-hmm. and, and started chartering. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us, too, a little bit about your charter business, the boat you have, and kind of how you target different fish? Right. So, you know, I've listened to some other podcasts, and uh, I had the advantage of having a pension and having worked. That put me in a good position, leverage-wise. And I knew I'd ran a lot of boats and wanted a particular boat, and it took me a year to find the boat. I looked at, uh, I think there were five for sale that year that I know of. I looked at three of the five, two sold before I got to them. I, I bought a Parker Big Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't know that boat or haven't seen it, but it's a uh, short tunnel haul. It's capable of going offshore. It's capable of, uh, they claim, running it, drafting 10 inches of water. Uh, I love the boat. It's a good, stable platform. I knew it was a well-designed hull that would last a long time, and that's kind of what I was looking for, a comfortable ride you know, that was stable. Yeah, it has a cobia tower on it, and I've, I've been very happy with the boat. Uh, and could you tell us just a little bit more about what kind of fishing you do? So I do inshore and nearshore charters, and I, I, I started doing, you know, trying to just be very diverse. I, I only wanted to do so many trips a week. It, it's grown from there significantly. I've learned a lot. I love doing it. There's nothing else I would rather do than what I do. And uh, I like the diversity of it all, you know. So I've, I've done everything from mangroves and grouper to trout and redfish. You know, I do a lot of trout and redfish, triple tail, cobia. I like sight fishing. You know, that's something I, I love to do. And, you know, the last three, four years, I've spent money and time trying to posture myself for tarpon charters. Uh, but I am just, uh, it's been a great adventure. I feel mm-hmm. very blessed to be able to do it. And, and something that I've noticed that you do really well when, when, when I've worked the boat with you or just hung out with people who are clients or even people who have invested in you, other guides across the state, is you put a big price tag on relationships and building relationships with people. Could you talk a little bit about how the idea of relationships has really come into your business and how you try to live that out as a guide? Man, first, I, I feel like, you know, that I was called to do this. And I just say that in, in a way that, you know, it was put in my heart a long time ago. I was given an opportunity 30 years later to do it. The, the next thing is I think everything's about relationships, not just guiding or, or whatever. You know, Father's Day is about relationships. This podcast is about relationships. So, you know, when I look at, uh, when I look at my clients and building that base, I, you know, I, I care about every client that comes to me. 
I really would rather take the same client 10 times than take 10 different ones. Maybe that's indicating that I'm doing something right and they want to come back. So, you know, I really want to build on the experience for my client and make it a better experience every time. And then I also want him to, uh, I want him to promote me from that aspect. But so by taking him more times and building on that, I build a deeper relationship too. And that benefits me. I have some great clients that I've learned a lot from. And, and what tips do you have for people as far as I know, like you text them a few days beforehand, you keep them up to date with what's happening with the weather, you call them after, check on it. What are some things that you try to do that enrich that relationship? Well, I mean, as soon as somebody charters me, I, m- most of my charters are from referrals. So they have an idea from somebody that's already been on the boat with me. I really like that because a lot of, I say this all the time, but you know, the people that have ridden on my boat, I like, they're great people. And the chances are the people they're referring are friends of theirs and are similar and they know what to expect. So, you know, as soon as somebody contacts me, you know, I start a dialogue with them. I try to keep them informed. I try and to do everything I can to make that experience as good as I can for them and serve them. You know, I, I, I feel like that's my privilege. So to serve them and, and, and give them a great experience. And then I try to follow up with them. I'm pretty intense. You guys know that? <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah. Understatement. That's understatement. But, <laughs> you know, I, I don't go out with a I don't go out with a client that I don't pick their brain about what I can do better, you know, and try and build and learn from that. The other thing is a lot of my clients have gone out with other guides. I always ask them, you know, what makes a good guide or, you know, what makes a great experience? You know, I want a a client to come on my boat, feel comfortable, develop a relationship with me, have a great experience, walk away from that experience and want to fish with me again. And and then I want that experience to be great enough that they're going to share that with somebody else. You know, so I, I just really, I think, you know, you look at social media and you look at marketing, you look at all these things. And I know in one of y'all's earlier podcasts, I think it was Bo that talked about, let your clients do your marketing for you. So that's kind of where I'm at. I really try and invest in that client uh, and really try and develop my product to the point where it has great value to that client and that client wants to share that. Yeah. And along the lines of, um, father's day, I know you, you tell us quite frequently and I'd like you to share a little bit about it on the podcast. Um, what is your favorite type of client? Man, just hands down, you know, there, I love taking fathers and sons and, 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 and I've been fortunate to have some clients that are three generations. You know, because whenever I'm on a boat with a father and a son, it, it makes me recognize, too, first, that that father has provided that opportunity or that son has provided that opportunity for his father. The second thing is I don't get to do that with my father. But uh, it brings back fond memories. It makes me appreciate when I can fish with you guys and with Hunter. Uh, it means a lot to me to be able to do that. So that's just a special experience. You know, when you, when you can be, when a family will include you in that, you can provide that opportunity. I think that that's, uh, a very precious experience to be able to go through. 
I think too that uh, one of my favorite clients too is a person that appreciates the amount of work that goes into it. I, I read in a book one time that uh, a lot of people are in love with the idea of being a guide. There's yeah, so much work that goes into it. To be good and to be successful, I mean, anybody can just take you fishing, put you on a boat and take you out there. But to be good, it takes a lot of work. So I, I work hard to put good equipment in, in my clients' hands. I spend more money on equipment. You know, I fish high-end stuff. And I fish high-end braid and fluorocarbon, and I have an expensive boat. I try to make that experience to give them the very best. I like a client that recognizes that, that, you know, sees that what, you know, that I'm rolling out the red carpet for them. Yeah. So that makes it good. And when a client sees that, they're more apt to, to share it with, like you said, give references and, and tell their, their coworkers, their friends, that this guy is putting in the time and putting in the work. Um, and I think they appreciate that. And one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, there, there was a time where a lot of the people I interacted with and talked with, you know, it was all about the, the photos at the dock with how many fish can be there and the group of guys standing around. Nothing wrong with that. But one of the things when you really see people light up is when they're talking about memories and being able to go out and have a good time. I mean, we were just two weekends ago, we were in Homosassa tarpon fishing together on a father-son trip, and I was on the casting platform. And we had a good trip as far as feeding fish goes and the fishing aspect, but we were having fun, and uh, my dad went to hand me my phone. And I don't even know if y'all know this story yet. He went to hand me my phone, and... uh, I guess somehow hit the combination to call the police and then it started to kind of siren off and I grabbed the phone and dis- disabled it and said, you know, just disregard this alarm or whatever. And then I just threw my phone in like the dry box and I just kept fishing and you know, nothing, nothing's going on, nothing's going on. 30 minutes go by and all of a sudden Chip gets a phone call. My dad gets a phone call from the coast guard. It's like, Hey, are you with Hunter? <laughs> and he's like, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, where everything's fine. We're up here, you know. And uh, and then we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, better call my wife. So my wife, the Coast Guard had called my wife, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They called my wife like 7 in the morning, you know. And where's your husband? He, we got an SOS call. He's on, on the boat in Homosassa. And my wife's like just panicking, like what's going on, you know. And just this huge ordeal. I had like 10 or 15 missed calls from FWC, Coast Guard, you know, NYPD, NCIS, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, it was just... Uh, I was a little shook at the beginning just because I didn't like thinking about my wife being that upset and everything. But then as soon as that weared off, I really realized how, how funny the situation was. Like, <laughs> that was like a memory I'll never forget. And I think that's, that's something that I know that you value a lot is you're not just taking people to catch fish, but you're allowing people to have these fun memories. And, you know, um, I think that's something that every guide or every father and son and people who fish together should really value. Hey, let's go out and make some fun memories. Well, you know, there, every great trip has a story, you know, an experience of some sort. And I'm a very, like we've said, I'm a very intense person. And I, I learned Noah Stewart one time said something to me that really rang true. And that was, you know, you got to stop and savor the moment. Because a lot of times I'm thinking, we get a fish on the boat, I'm thinking about the next fish. I've had people ask me, what are you thinking about? I said, I'm thinking about the next fish. And, and, and you got to slow down and look at that fish. And to me, it, you know, it might not be the greatest fish, but to that person at that moment, 
it's the greatest fish. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think capitalizing on those experiences, really slowing down and living in the moment. I mean, that's what it's about. They're out there. It's a great experience. Uh, I think, I, I don't always think it's about the fishing either. Sometimes it's, or the experience. And I love to catch fish more than anybody. And you asked me not long ago, I think on that trip, what's your idea of a dream trip? And my used to be my idea of a dream trip was a place or a species. Now it's about a person who you fish with. So I think that goes back to uh, what we talk about. You know, that was a great trip with Hunter. You know, got to spend time. You know, we've been to the mountains together and fished and got those times together. Josh and I have been in duck blinds and fished. We've been to Homosassa together. But it's it's about the experience. And I think catching your client there and getting them to appreciate that they're there, man, it's when it comes down to relationships and chartering, it's not about the fishing. It's about that relationship and that experience, I think. Man, I love fishing, and I work hard to do it, but uh, I really enjoy. That was one of the things about the business that I learned and love so much that I didn't really see coming, and that is the building those relationships. Yeah, and you see, you see it so often. Some of the best guides are are good at making those relationships. They're like a, a people person, um, and that's why they thrive. They make those close relationships with clients and then they get the referrals and they have the repeat clients that have been fishing with them for five, 10 years. And you, you always see the successful people are the ones that are doing that. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, you know, what's been said on this podcast several times, I don't think it can be, can be said enough that they come to fish with you to catch fish the first time, the second time it should be to fish with you. And then, you know, then you want them telling their friends, man, you need to fish with this guy. And, uh, you know, I do a lot to try to be successful. I track tides. I track, I keep logs. I will fish a lot and I work hard. But, you know, sometimes those fish aren't going to cooperate. You know, you do everything you can to try to make it right. But that doesn't mean that experience can't be great. And, I, you know, that they can't go away with something of value. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know that's something that you've picked up and learned a lot the past few years, but transitioning from FWC, where you're working law enforcement, so lots of experience on a boat, lots of experience really interacting with people, but not necessarily in the best moments of their life <laughs> as <No>. an FWC <laughs> officer. Uh, uh, definitely some stories, but not necessarily the best moments. But, you know, you go and you start your business. What are some things that you've learned about fishing and then also about guiding, but I'd like you to do both, like fishing and guiding, uh, from the past few years of starting FC Charters. And, you know, when you talk about fishing, gosh, I fished my whole life. I, I, I really have. I, when I decided that I wanted to first Mr. Cecil, you know, when I got on a big boat and got to spend some time with somebody that's fished a lot, that has a lot of knowledge about deep dropping, who's fished all over, who had a big boat and I had a chance to get on there and run that boat and spend time with that man. You know, I learned a tremendous amount from him spending that time, but that was an investment in my time. You know, I could have been making money somewhere else. I could have been doing, but I invested my time in order to try to get better at that and to get my captain's license and to get everything in a row and to get my mind right. So, you know, fishing 
you know, I've learned to be willing to learn and to listen. You know, you know, when we decided, you know, we're going to look at this tarpon. I've got clients that want to catch tarpon. And I wanted to try to get better at that. I spent money driving to get in a boat. Uh, When we started down this, when I started to charter, I called, you know, a dozen people that I knew that were captains and tried to uh, get them to help me some. That's a really, that's a hard thing to do because there's very few people that will help uh, what they consider to be a competitor. But, you know, there were, there were half a dozen that, that, that jumped out and said, man, you know, I, I'll answer your questions. I'll give you, come ride with me. Get on my boat. I'll show you how we do it here, you know, and I'll come up and get on your boat. And, you know, Jimmy Long was one, Jim Ferrier, Phil Chapman. I'm leaving a few people out, I'm sure, Richard Miller. Those guys spent some time with me and invested me. So I had to be willing to learn, willing to spend my time and energy to get there. And uh, I think I learned that through, uh, through through my time with the commission. Whenever you wanted to get a promotion or you wanted to be learned, you, the, everything costs something, your time mainly, to try to get better at it. With people, you know, as far as the charter business, man, it's all about people. And, and it's all about just getting to know people and building that relationship with them and being willing to go the extra mile. You know, we use that... W- you know, we use that ex- an example that, you know, Jesus set for us to serve others. So, you know, when I look at uh, somebody on my boat, I have an honor. To, it's a privilege of mine to serve them and to try to provide them with this great experience and share something. The outdoors that I love, I spent 28 years of my life uh, protecting it, buried friends, you know, that lost their lives protecting it. And... It's, it's just a privilege to be able to share that with people. And so that's all about people skills, I think, developing those people skills. We've had this discussion, and man, it's probably a podcast in itself. What makes a great captain? You know, it, or what makes you can be a good fisherman. That doesn't make you a good guide. And you can be a good guide, and you might not be a good captain. You can be a good captain, you may not be a good businessman. So there's so much to it. I think Tom Rowland. You know, in some of his podcasts, is has, has has made a good point about that. You know that there's so many facets to it. And Nary, you know, just his analogy about uh, the pie. You know that it's just the smallest little slivers of difference that takes you from being a good captain to a great captain. But you got to be able to pay attention to learn what those little slivers are, and you got to be able to build on that. That's what. That's that's kind of where I. Stand. I, I don't know how long I'll be able to charter. You know, I'm an old guy in this game. But uh, I love it. And I and, and as long as I do it, I'm going to try to do it better. Man, and, and you talk about serving people. Uh, and I don't think anybody as a, as a guide serves people better than you do. I mean, I've, you know, Hunter's seen it. Austin's seen it. Mating for you. And it's like no one is, is out there grinding as hard as you. People might not notice it. People might not, you know, think about it, or it may never cross their minds. But I, I mean, I've we've had a couple of days. We've had clients, and it's just like, oh my gosh, the fish aren't biting anywhere. We can't find them, and you just grind it and grind it and grind it, and then finally, you know, hit a hole and scratch out a limit, and it turns it turns that bad day into a great. day. Can you talk about just the importance of 
being able to just stay on that grind on a tough day. I mean, that's – it happens more often than you think. Man, I think, yeah. And, I mean, there are days we can remember that are just – it just falls together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just crazy. Yep. But, you know, a lot of times you're waiting on a tide or you're waiting on a change. But time on the water tells you that at some point those fish are going to be chewing. And you want to be where they're going to be chewing. It's not – I've come to know it's not about – the where it's more about the wind mm-hmm. and if you're running when the wind's happening you know when they go to chew and if you're still running around like your chick like a chicken with your head cut off you're going to miss the bite and it only takes a bite man the other day we put 22 fish in the boat in less than you know a half an hour and they were all large fish but you know it only takes one hole it only takes one fish to make a you know make a trip incredible so you know i mean you just my plan to go out there and 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 i kind of got this from jimmy you know you have a plan a and plan a slaps you in the face you know that's obvious plan b c and d you know that's those are those backup plans and then you know you're what, what factors in those plans what's biting what's been doing well what's the tide doing what's the sun doing you know how the water movement is those all those factors and man just Nine times, 95% of the time, you're going to put together a good box, a great day, if you just grind. And I think that those people on those boats, they recognize how hard you work. And and, that, and that's what I want. You know, I mean, we've always said, and I've heard other guys say this, but, you know, there are a lot of good fishing guys out there. And there are a lot of guys that have fished these waters longer than we have. But we won't be at work. You know, we... we when we, when we see it's right, we catch our bait before our clients get on our boat. We, we're going to stay longer. We're going to fish longer if we have to. And we're going to just try and create that ultimate experience for them. And, and I think that uh, that's really the difference, you know. And what's the extra mile? You know, we're given the biblical example of going the extra mile. And... What's the extra mile that we're going to do for our clients to try and make that day, you know, a great day? And uh, God has, I feel, has blessed us for that. One of the things that I think you do really well, too, being on the boat with you, and I've noticed this with a couple other guides as well, is like as you're making decisions and moving and going from plan A to plan B, and every once in a while plan A comes together and it's pretty awesome. A lot. But, you know, you're you're moving from, you know, plan A to plan B to plan C and you're making all these moves. But one of the things that I've seen that you do and other guides do well is, you know, you kind of narrate what's happening and you, you don't necessarily overpromise and you don't, you know, want to get somebody's hopes up, but you're kind of explaining, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what we're thinking through. We're going to wait for this tide to get up for, to go target this fish. So in the meantime, what we're going to do, we're going to go check some of these buoys over here, you know, you're narrating, you're talking them through your thought process, which shows that, you know, it might look like you're a chicken with your head cut off, but there's some intentionality in what's happening. And I also think that, you know, obviously you have some people who get on the boat and they just want to kick back and drink a few beers and relax. But most people in your fishery are pretty serious fishermen, even if they don't know much about saltwater. It's not a, it's not the uh, shopping destination of Florida on the Forgotten Coast. No, and you know, most people, I mean, I've got a really good rebook, Barry, and I'm just thankful. You know, plan A falls together a lot of the time, and 
you know, those people come back and they appreciate that you were, I think that whole experience, you know, from the time they get on the boat, you know, I, I see where I can improve on, you know, when I, I listen to the Eugene's podcast, you know, where he talks about the history, you know, where it becomes more educational, not more educational, but it, not to take away from the fishing and why they're there, but they learn something. So, I mean, I can see areas where I can improve there, but, you know, keeping them informed, I, I really, a compliment to me is if when you get off that boat, you've learned something, you could go do it yourself. And, and you know, I'll, I'll let God decide, uh, you know, my next customer. You know, if you learn when you get off that boat and you go away from that experience, uh, learning, I feel like I've done something, you know, and really I put a lot of thought into it. You know, why do I use a Stratic reel? I'm, I'm not sponsored by Shimano. I don't, I'm not, I don't have any kind of sponsorship like that. Why do I use the line I use? Why did I choose the poundage? I'm a very intense guy. A lot of thought into it. Why am I using fluorocarbon? Why do I use the knots I use? You know, can I help you? A lot of times I follow up the, the charter with, you know, links to net knots so that they can learn to tie the knots in the future. They have a problem. You don't normally tie a knot on my boat, but when you tell me that you fish swivels because you don't know how to do a line-to-line knot, that's a simple thing to fix. You know, so, I, you know, I think this whole opportunity when somebody calls you and they may not even book you, but you have an opportunity to serve them on that phone to the time that they do book you and fish with you. And then after they leave, you know, is that it? You know, are you going to build on that? Are you going to teach them something or show them? Are you going to pick something up during that charter that you can follow up with, whether it's just how to tie a knot or a, a recipe for cooking the fish they caught that day? Uh, you know, I mean, it's just a great opportunity with lots of room to get as good as you can get and to shine. Or you can just take some money fishing. You know, I don't choose the latter. Yeah, I think it's so important. And we've used the analogy before. I know Hunter has of a, a full cup can't receive water. Um, and I think you display that so much within your business of not only being a teacher for your clients and like wanting to instill wisdom that you've got, but constantly studying the, your craft and constantly studying the environment that you're in. Um, and that's something that I've taken away when I first met you. That was like one of the first things you said to me is the day you stop learning is the day you'll be unemployed. Yeah. And I mean, really, I mean, how, how many guys sit behind a desk and hate their job, you know, and the, you get to do something that you're passionate about or that you love and you believe in my whole career. I've done something. I believed in the law. I believe, you know, I believed in law enforcement and then to get to do something that I wanted to do earlier in my life, you know, that's a privilege, you know, but there's so much learning. When I look, man, some of these guys today, they're so far ahead of the game. You know, we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have, you have so many resources. You know, you kind of, Hunter, turned me on to podcasts. I never listened to a podcast till years ago. Now I listen to them religiously. You know, I'd rather, you know, in bed, going to the, going back and forth to the uh, boat ramp, rigging, 
you know, I'm not watching TV. I'm trying to learn something. And, you know, I, 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 same way with reading books. You know, this year it was tarping. You know, we've all benefited from, you know, Andy Mills and Bill Bishop and, you know, Frank Sargent and, you know, all these different books we read and just trying to get better at that craft and learn, uh, you know, what works. You know, how much studying have we done into how to tie leaders and what leader knots we want to do and what our links, what's our recipes going to be, you know. And to me, there's so many ways. I, I, I really like something that Tom said in his podcast with y'all about the guy that's, I like the diversity, the guy that can do it all different ways with, you know, artificials, with lives, with fly. They can, I mean, there's so many different ways. And I think about one thing about some of the old commercial trout fishermen fishing with cane poles and pigfish. You know, there were things when, when, when you first started talking about this idea, this podcast, there are all these captains, man, the Nat Raglins, you know, the Harry Spears, these guys that have done this for so long that have learned so much that are, you know, that, that are getting older, that we're going to lose. And, uh, I, you know, for me, you know, when I called those dozen people and half a dozen of them replied, uh, you know, I saw that, man, there's just so much out there to learn. I don't know how you tap into all that. Could you give some advice on how to appropriately approach guides, whether you want to get into guiding or you just want to be a great fisherman? I mean, there's a lot of people I know who they they enjoy this podcast, but not because that they're a guide, but because they really want to be as good as they possibly can be. And they respect people who are putting in the time and have built their life around this business. What are some steps or some advice that you give to somebody to help them start to establish some relationships with guides? Man, and you know, I've said this to you guys, and that is there's no excuse. You you have these opportunities with YouTube and podcasts to get as good as you can, the books that are out there and the materials are out there, so that you don't have what you, you know, where we used to have. Then I would say, you know, and I've said this about the full the full glass, and, and that is be willing to learn. You, you know, be humble and try to side up to somebody and spend some time. When now, you know, be willing to give your time. You know, that might be mating on a boat. You know, that might be helping a guy when he needs help wiring or or uh, cleaning fish. You know, it's just, you know, he's got a lot of knowledge and know-how. And just to be able to spend time with some of these individuals, you're going to learn. There's, if, you, if your eyes are open and your ears are open, you're going to learn when you're around some of these guys. And Man, I just, I, I think uh, there's so many resources out there now. Time on the water, can't say that enough. Storm comes through. I got charters, you know, coming up. I'm worried because I hadn't been on the water for a couple of days, you know, and I'm trying to track fish and a bites and bait and different things like that. So that time on that water is critical. But, you know, when you built a relationship, and that's what this is about, relationships, with a, with a guide, you can say, hey, man, what would you be thinking, man? I don't know, you know, what to do here. You know, what, what direction? When you build those relationships, guys will share with you. And you have to be willing to share with them as well. You know, guys are funny about their spots. I understand that. I really do. But, you know, if you're willing to learn and you're willing to look at it broadly, don't try to take some guy's, 
you know, spot from him or whatever to look at it broadly, then, then I think guys are willing to share with you. But all the time, you can read the books, and, you, and there's lots of them and the great materials, and you can listen to the podcast, and I listen to them and love them. And you can look at YouTube, and you can learn all this stuff, but it doesn't replace you have to augment that with time on the water. Mm -hmm. So whether sometimes it's in somebody, you can be smart about that. You can be a mate in somebody else's boat on somebody else's gas and maybe picking up a dip, you know, or, you know, you're out there on your own, figuring it out on your own. But I think the advice is be open-minded, use the resources that you have in front and develop relationships with guys that are willing to bring you along. Yeah. I think that was something that was, pretty shocking to me um on our trip back home from from North Carolina the the mountain trip we did it amazed me how many phone calls you had made to check in with guides around our area um and that those relationships you had made cuz you had missed those couple of days just being in the mountains um but you were you were calling them and checking in and they were checking on how you were doing and it was something that as an outsider not in the industry I didn't think ever happened. I thought like fishing guides were sort of holding their information um, and like sort of every man for themselves, but it, it just really opened up my eyes to even more to not only like the mentorship roles that happen, but just the community that at least this area has. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't, I, 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 I think you develop these relationships with a few guys that you know you know, and, and listen, if a guy calls me up, if I can help him in any way, I want to help him. You know, that that's part of that relationship. You know, too, that's me building a relationship that could lead to greater things for him or for me in the future. And, and, and uh, I, I feel strongly about that. There's just so much that goes that people know. I wish that there was a way to show, and I've thought this through several times, what goes into a trip. Hmm. You know, what goes in... You think that it's just get on a boat and go fishing, and it, it hasn't. It's been weeks of fishing. It's been following tides. It's been, you know, I, as soon as somebody books with me, the first thing I do is I capture moon phases. It's a lot of times I get asked, what day, sh I, what day should I book? What's the best tide in this month? And some of my clients do that almost a year in advance. So I got to, you know, track everything. You know, there's only two new moons, one new moon and one full moon a month, basically. So, you know, that, 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 that inf impacts tides. So, you know, as soon as somebody books, I'm capturing tides, major feeds, moon, solar, and I put it in Evernote. I look back based on those dates and those tides because I can search Evernote and, and, and get an idea. Well, that might be months in advance, but I go and think about that the whole time. You know, and, and it's it's a hard thing to try to keep up with. And I understand why fishing logs, you know, they fall to the wayside sometimes. And I guess guys that have done it so long, too, just got a feel for it. But, you know, I mean, I'm keeping up with charters that are way in advance. And that's my first step to giving my client the best experience. I've already invested time, and I'm thinking about what I've done, what the tides are doing that day, and what I've done in the past on those days. So... You know, then from then, you know, it's everything from having the boat ready, rigging, baits, you know, everything you're going to do that day. You're going to talk to your client 
In my case, 10 days out, I start giving weather and fishing forecasts. So every night when I sit down, I've got seven or 10 people I got to communicate with. Hey, look, it's still looking good. Tides are this. This is happening. Here's what we've done here lately. I, you know, I try, and that's, again, that started building that relationship with that client. Then when that client gets on the boat, you know, sometimes we have bait. We've already done our bait work if we're fishing bait. Sometimes, and that's extra money out of my pocket to go get it early. And sometimes the tides don't dictate that I do that. Man, that whole experience, the water on the boat, everything, you know, the welcoming them on the boat, informing them, talking about the area, taking them out there, fishing, fishing, fishing. You know, I always have extra rigs. I don't believe in a client not having a pole in his hand. So, if, you know, if a client's got a tangle, man, we put another pole in their hand. And we try to keep that experience, keep them fishing the whole time. And, you know, I've heard on some of the other podcasts, Rob talking about, you know, it's a numbers game. You know, if I'm healthy and I can push and put my client in front of more tarpon, then I'm going to do better in the tournament because I've gotten more shots. It's the same way with, you know, whatever kind of fishing. You keep a rod in the water and you keep a rod in your client's hand and it's going to happen sooner or later, you know. So that's a lot of extra gear and a lot of extra rigging and a lot of extra service. And then, you know, once you're done following up with that client after he leaves and he's left the dock, at the end of the day, you're absolutely exhausted. you got a boat to clean. You've already possibly cleaned fish. you got to get your rigs ready for the next day. You got to talk to your seven to 10 clients coming up the week before, and you got to follow up with a client that just left you and tell them, man, what a great time you had with him. Here's some links about some of the things we talked about today. If we can do something better, let us know. It's a lot of work. You know, that was another thing that I've learned in order to try to do it at least to my level of intensity. Could you share a few apps or books or just things that you, you use, whether it's the track wind tides or just helpful books, book recommendations? Too? And so I've got about seven, you know, weather programs that I follow and tide programs that I follow all the time. And I'm checking, I use Evernote and, you know, I pay for the Evernote service. It allows me to upload pictures from the day for my fishing log. It also allows me to do screen captures on tides, wind, major feeds, that kind of stuff. So when I booked my trip, let's just say it was the Wells Charter, Josh Wells. If he booked me today for two months from now, right away I capture what the tides are for that day. And I capture two feeding periods and I capture, I don't ever know my weather until then. And, uh, and then I can go back and look on those tides during that period of time, what I've done in the past. Maybe he wants to fish a particular species. I can search Evernote for a triple tail. He wants to fish triple tail. I look at triple tail. Every note that I have that has triple tail in it comes up. So, you know, I, I'm a big believer in Evernote because it allows me to search and, 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 and it helps me out. So that's my way of tracking it for a journal. Sometimes I get so busy that I, it's hard for me to go back. I have to go back two, two or three days back and fill it out. But I can do that because I took pictures on that trip, you know, and that's another thing that I would like to I try and take pictures, but I don't always do the job that I would like to do with that. That's one of the things I like about having a mate sometimes, you know, because they can help me with those types of things. Because that's a great, when the, when the client doesn't have to wait for a picture or doesn't have to worry about pictures, when you're there taking them for them, it also gives you the opportunity to recontact that client after the charter with the pictures. 
by text or by email. So, you know, that's, I, you know, I use direct marketing and you kind of push me in that direction. And I, 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 I'm not big social media. I really don't have time to get on there very often and post pictures. And I have, you know, a, a probably varying opinions about social media and what it's doing to fishing and guiding. You know, I agree with, I'm not so sure I'm on the same page as a lot of people, but you know, I don't know how guys have time to be on social media so much. With all the things I described to you, it starts at four in the morning. A lot of times it's passing out at 10. So I don't know about that, but I do believe in this and I believe in direct marketing my clients. And I, I, I send my clients, let them know what's going on. I share with them personal stuff, you know, that we're going through as far as like, you know, just personal thoughts. You know, I send them stuff here on the trout regulation changes, things that I think that they would be interested in. You know, I can track my open rate with my clients and it's really just a direct communication. I used to try and do that by doing a blind CC email, but it, 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 there are programs out there that give you a more professional and a better product and it will provide the client with uh, great information that they can use. And, and you use MailChimp, which is really easy to use. I think it's easy for people to think that it's really hard to go online and to, I don't know how to code or I don't know how to do X, Y, Z, but a lot of like something like MailChimp is really easy to download the app on your phone or use online. And it is nice to be able to put together a list of your actual clients or people who are potential clients and be able just to market to them and not just random people following you online. Uh, and, and and you're right. Mailchimp is what I use. Uh, it, you know, it's easy for your generation. It's a little bit harder for me, but I've learned it, and it's worthwhile because I can provide something to my. I can provide knots, how to tie knots, something we learned about a new product, something about a regulation change that might impact how they're what they like to fish for. I can provide them information about specials or things that we might be having. I can wish them happy birthdays. It's it's a great product from that aspect, plus the fact that you can link them to pages and different mm -hmm. things. So I, I do like that. You're right. You have a lot of followers. I can buy followers. I can do everything. I've learned that about social media. I don't do that. And some of my clients follow me on social media, but they don't all do that. But I'll tell you what, only a small percentage of my followers are clients. And my clients are everything to me. That's one thing you learn in the charter business, you know, is is that client list is critical to you. And, uh, you know, you, you want to stay in contact with mm -hmm. them. You don't want to wait on them necessarily to call you. And, and, and you want to make them aware of opportunities, things you see out there, and try to use it to serve them in other ways. And uh, to me, that client list is everything. Mm -hmm just to kind of turn the conversation a little bit um, and just kind of keep on this theme of relationships since it's the, the father's day podcast, you know, something that um, as you've transitioned to guiding, it can be hard to try to balance family life and trying to balance relationships with your kids or with your spouse or with friends and something that, I mean, Bob's impact on you, Bob Wells's impact on you is so big that I could see it from my seat you know, because I spent my whole life growing up hunting and fishing with you. And I mean, everything from 
you know, Tennessee deer trips to, I mean, when, when I was younger, you know, it wasn't a Parker Big Bay with Shimano Stratix and it was going to a pier somewhere and fishing off a pier because we didn't have much money because mom was in college or whatever that might be. I mean, you know, it wasn't always the nice gear, the nice boat, the being able to do it every day type thing. But, you know, Bob made a huge impact on your, on your life as far as, you know, how our relationship, father, son relationship with mom. And then at the same time, you went into guiding where truthfully it can be a valley of dry bones for people's relationships, whether with their son, whether with their spouse, et cetera. Could you talk to just a little bit about the importance that you do put, even though you put a lot of time in on the water to your family and to your, to the ones that you love? Man, I, I, you know, I'll tell you this, that anytime I have to watch myself because I am an intense individual and, you know, you're, your mother knows me well from that aspect and she knows how driven I am. And, you know, she's a great balance to me. When you build a business, you know, you have to put a lot into it and it takes a lot. So your spouse has to be supportive of you, you know, and from that aspect, they have to understand the sacrifices that it takes, but you've got to keep it in check. You know, I feel this about anything, you know, when you, when you look at, uh, when you, look at fishing what kind of fishing a business anything you need to say is this making me a better man Hmm. if it makes me a better man check i can go on with this if it impacts me being a better man then you just need to shy away and go the other direction and run from it and you know if you're a better man if you're happy in what you do and you pursue then you're you're going to be a better husband you know and a better father and you want that to, if, if your desire is to be better as a husband and a father, then you got to keep those things in check and that time in check. You know, your mom tries to get on the boat with me when she can. She loves that. Uh, she supports that. Sometimes it seems to me, I think scale has been, you know, I didn't have the advantage. Of, well, I did. I could have went on to college. I went into law enforcement really early. But uh, I did you know, learning to scale a business, you know, ideally, and my, and I would love to, you know, fish two days a week and just spend two days with your mom or with you or with Josh or with Austin or Daniel Evans or any of these with friends fishing. Uh, but, you know, building a business, I've had to take on more and, and, and thank the Lord my business has done well, you know, and I've got clients and I stay booked. And, you know, four and five days, then your wife's got to understand, you know, my, my, my wife has said, I know you don't feel like getting on a boat. Let's do something else. You know, where she might have enjoyed being on a boat that day. I've been on the boat for five days. You know, somewhere in there is that balance. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. I think you said something to me several times that I, I, that I think sometimes it's not about the quantity, but the quality to and to try and do better at being there. For that period of time mm-hmm. and you know a lot of times like i used the analogy earlier we'll catch a fish and i'm already thinking about the next fish you know it's the same way with our spouses being there being engaged and not somewhere else not fishing not mm-hmm. not at on work fo- on the phone with clients yeah. right or just on the phone in in general you know that was something that i worked for city church tallahassee and our senior pastor dean and sarah told me when I began to, I got married and began to uh, 
build our family, he would say, you know, some days, you know, people joke about people who work at church. Oh, you know, you're probably sitting around drink, doing coffee, do, 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 you know, well, you might have a day where you wake up, you know, you got to go do something at the facility and then you go to lunch and you think you're going to a normal lunch and somebody just told you that their wife left them, you know, they're publicly breaking down in a space and you're trying to, you know, bring them some counsel and comfort. And then you leave from that and you go to a coffee meeting where somebody's got all these ideas about how we could better do X, Y, Z. And so now you've just gone from a counseling situation to somebody giving you feedback about how to do something fun. But, you know, you're just running around. And there's just a million things going on. And one of the challenging parts with um, whether you're a fishing guide and somebody's just venting to you or whether you're somebody who uh, works in, in a ministry like me or, or anything like that, you know, sometimes at the end of the day, it's just hard to wind down. And he told me when I was young and I began to build my family, he said, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Sometimes you got to park that car outside, take a breath, say a prayer, you know, respond to a few text messages, make a phone call if you need to. But when you walk through that door, walk through that door to your family, don't walk through your door, texting on the phone, walk through your door, looking at your Instagram inbox because when I come home and my little daughter sees me and my wife sees me, you know, they, they, they understand that, you know, there's sacrifices that have to be made for work and et cetera, but they want to see you, you know, they want to engage in you. And I think that's something that you do really well is, although you put a lot of time on the water and time into the business, you know, at the same time that you're starting your business, you became a grandpa, you know, and you stayed engaged in my life and the lives of my friends and, and the life of my daughter. So I just think, you know, that is such an important thing too, is yeah, I, I love what you said, you know, it does this make me a better man? Because the reason that, you know, I remember just to bring it back to Bob, you know, I remember leaving Bob's funeral and, you know, I was spending the day with Josh and his wife, but I remember talking to my wife and I said, man, I just hope that there are people on this earth that feel about me one day, what I feel about Bob. Not yeah. because he caught a lot of fish, he did catch a lot of fish and you know, I'd fished Lake Talcon where Josh grew up a bunch of times. It could never figure anything out. And then Bob, you know, me, Josh and Bob went out one time and I'm not going to tell you what we did on that lake, but I'll tell you that we caught some fish really fast, really easy. And he was a great fisherman, but people didn't show up to that, you know, because he was a good fisherman. They showed up to that because he was a great man. And, you know, I think that if you live your life with the end in mind, realizing that you have the opportunity to impact people and you'll, you'll make decisions today a lot different if you live with the end in mind. And, and I think this too, when I think about, you know, Bob, let's, let's just put it, I love to fish more than anybody, just as much as anybody, but it's just fishing. And, you know, I love the species of fish, but they're just fish. You know, we're relational. And I think, that's the important thing. Be a person that, and, and that's what Bob was. He was a man that you could go to and talk to about anything. Mm -hmm. And he loved you. So, you know, I think when you uh, just think about your family, you know, that is, is this going to, you know, it's just fishing. It's just guiding. It's a, just a job. It's about relationships. And I, I don't mean to downplay it. You know, because I, I spent a lot of time fishing. But it, when I look at fishing and when I look at my job, it's more about the relationship with the client. And this opportunity to serve them and to provide them an opportunity to see something I love in an environment that I love, 
but more it's about that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I would rather be, you know, the person, the guide that they need for whatever, uh, than to be a great fisherman. Mm -hmm. But I think that that's important. I think in our life, as we go up and we look at our jobs, does this make us a better man? You know, and if it doesn't, we're wasting our time on some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And we waste our time on things. And one of the things too that I, and I'll let Josh chime in on this, but I love about Bob's story was the Bob that I knew is not the Bob that always was. And he's very open about his testimony, but there was a point with Josh's older siblings and, and Josh's mom. And I think you were a baby at the time, but he was passed out in the front yard after (laughs) a, after a binge of a night. Yeah. And your uh, your mom, who's one of my mom's best friends, Laura, said something along the lines of, if you don't change your life right now, we won't be in it, right? Yep. And he ended up coming to know Christ and becoming a pastor and running a drug and rehab center called Christtown. And I mean, it's never too late, though. And that's something that's been really neat with with even thinking about Bob's story is, you know, sometimes people look at guys like Bob who just, man, he just loved Laura so well. He just such a great guy. So, so kind and generous to, to all of Josh's friends, all of Jackie Lee's friends. And it's easy just to think, you know, that guy's probably just had the easiest life, probably never messed up, made mistakes. You know, he doesn't know what I've gone through or et cetera, but that, that wasn't the case. I mean, you know, Bob fought to be back in his family's life. And I think that's a great reminder too, as we talk about this, that we all have shortcomings. But when you talk about trying to build relationships and do, do what you can to be a great man, it's never too late to start, you know, it's never Absolutely. too late to start. Hey, we can go ahead and transition into some fun rapid fire questions. If you'd be down. I'm all right. Let's all do right. it. All right. What has been the most helpful thing transitioning from FWC that you learned in FWC to being a good fisherman today? Well, I think uh, patience. You know, I, I think that things come together. You just trust this process. You develop the process, make it better, and then trust it. So, you know, I think patience that the process is going to pay off. What's the biggest mistake that you made in the first few years of guiding? Man, that's a great question. Uh, there's several of them that I've made, but I've learned from every one of them. You know, I, I think uh, scale, you know, it, it's hard to decide. You know, you think in your mind how things are going to go, you know, when you grow a business. And, I, you know, I worked for 33 you, years for like it scaled too fast. Yes. You know, and where, you know, some days I might want to fish for want to be fishing for a certain species. It's a beautiful day, but my client wants to be fishing this other one. So you've got to decide you know, is this about me or is it about the client? You know, how much am I going to do? Sometimes you're out there and it's a beautiful day and you're on a bunch of chicken my my, and then oh, you got to go run never, to the beeline. You're never going to let the my my go. And you weren't allowed to have a flower out on the boat. Uh, just for context, can. Josh and I got on the boat with Chip one time with some people. And we, the one time I haven't had a fly rod on the boat, that's not an exaggeration. I've been sneaking fly rods on boats 
that people, I mean, <laughs> since I, we've owned one, <laughs> I, I, I've been watching Netflix documentaries about drug gar- cartels. I mean, I've, I know how to sneak a fly rod on a boat. And the one time Josh and I, and we even talked about it that morning. We're like, should we do it? Should we do it? Should we do it? We didn't do it. We get out there and there is an eight foot diameter island of buoys in the middle of nowhere on a snapper trip. And they all have the ropes still on them, but cut off. It was like the weirdest buoy situation I've seen. And man, there must have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chicken my my on them. And we didn't have our fly rod. But we caught some. We, we did catch some, and then we were off to the beeliner hole. <laughs> and me and Josh oh, forever joke about the beeliner hole. In 30 seconds, defend the meat hunter. Defend the meat hunter. Hey, man, I got to tell you, I got to give it to the guy that's going out there to put food on his family's table rather than feed his ego. <laughs> now, you know, I, I, I got to take that back, man. First, I, I got to tell you, man, 28 years in the resource protection business. If the resource can support it, you know, I think it's a great thing. Every time we go on the water, every time we leave this house, even in this house, we have impacts on, you know, our ecosystem on the resource. And uh, if you go out there and you're going to, you know, harvest something that can sustain, that can be harvested, then, and you're going to eat it, I'm all about that, you know, as opposed to paying somebody else to go out and get it later and ship it and freeze it. And we're there. It, we can catch it. You're going to eat it. I'm all about that. We just ate sushi today, guys. Oh, yeah. Somebody else <laughs> caught that, froze it. I'd rather have been something we caught this morning. Well, Austin ate tofu. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. What? What's, what's your favorite species in this area? I think I know it. Man. That's a tough one. I, you know, I love to hunt triple tail. I, yeah, I love to, I love to hunt cobia. <laughs> I, like, I, I like tarpon, too, but, you know, I mean... I, I, I have limitations there, but I also, man, you can't beat a redfish bite and man mangroves when they chum to the top or the dig of a big grouper, you know, man, that's a tough call, but you I alluded, like sight fishing. You alluded you like to the question, using that what's, tower. The, what's the fish? <laughs> <laughs> it's the triple tail. It's probably, it triple tail? it's probably the triple tail because of its table fare. Now, if we're just going to throw them back and not eat them. Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> the big silver king. To everyone out there, we will provide a link to a safe space. There are people out there that kill fish. And you <laughs> Chip is one of those men. Uh, well, al- along the uh, the theme, what's your favorite part about being a father? Man, dude, that's a great question. I, I think, man, just uh, people all the time, you know, will say things to you. And I've, I've given this advice a lot about, man, you got to be proud. And, you know, Hunter's right here. But I think ha- being humble. You know, that God, you know, that God's gracious for our mistakes and uh, he can fill in the gap where we as parents fail. And I think it's that way with business, with relationships. If your heart's right, you know, and you're right with God, then, you know, I think he can bless those relationships. So I think my favorite part is to see God's work in, you know, y'all's lives not just hunters but y'all's lives what have you found to be the most helpful way when you have new anglers on the boat 
what have you found to be some of the helpful things you could do to get them started? Man, you know, you've kind of been on this journey with me, Hunter, and this has kind of come from listening to different captains and how they handle new anglers about assessing an angler's abilities early in the process. You know, because if an angler can't cast, I don't need to fish places where we got to be able to cast. Mm-hmm. I got to be able to set things up. So taking the time and not assuming, you know, somebody's skills. Uh, I learned that too was that, you know, a good day for me is so much different than a good day for somebody else. And, and how do you judge a good day? I've got clients that they don't care if they catch a fish. We do. But a good day for them is just being out there on that water. But, you know, I've had days where I came in and I just felt like it was a mediocre day. And I talked to the clerk at the store who said, man, those guys said they had the most awesome day in the world. So, you know, I think assessing a client's abilities and working toward that communication skills, I think there's so much, you know, room for growth there with me. This probably comes from your law enforcement background, but you take really good care of your gear. Could you talk a little bit about how you think about that, whether rotating reels or? So, you know, when I started, I started looking, you know, at gear and whether or not I was going to, what kind of money I was going to spend and what kind of gear I was going to try and put in my client's hands. Uh, I got good gear. You know, we, we have a routine. Every night when we come in, we, you know, we wash that gear a certain way. We wipe it down with anti-corrosion. We loosen the drags on it. I replace the line all the time. I'm, I'm picky about that gear. I don't like gear that makes noise. You know, I have, you know, I have a, a good number of Stratics. I rotate them in and out. I send them to Bill at Blue Water and Homosassa, and uh, he cleans them for me. I believe in having that gear cleaned. Uh, I know that there are cheaper charters than me. So, you know, I, I just, but it, it's a cost of doing business, but it's a cost of doing business at a good level. Yeah. And I think it, it adds value to your business when you value the things that are going into your business. Um, whether it's taking care of your gear, buying that kind of gear, um, or even like you said, logging for years on end of days so you can, you can refer back to that and, and have that, that wealth of knowledge. I think any option to add value to your business is, is something that you should at least weigh. And I think you do a good job of that with your equipment. This is a small example, but it, I mean, I think about it in the terms of my boat. You know what I mean? I, it, a boat's not, one thing you don't ever not have on a boat is a five-gallon bucket. You know, so to me, I buy that bucket. Because I want that bucket to be a white. Now, I could save that three or four bucks, and my clients would see a Porter Williams paint bucket in the back or a grease bucket in the back or whatever, a drywall bucket in the back. I don't want my clients to think. I want them to think about the quality of this trip from the real, from the time they get on, from my first contact with them to my follow-up. I want them to know that, you know, I wanted to provide them with the best equipment, the best quality, you know, and that's kind of where I, I'm i at. One time, and uh, I remember early, I didn't have, I've told this story, you guys have probably heard it, but, you know, I've thought about it from a business perspective, and, and that is uh, I went, your mom and I were on vacation, and I was just a 
poor game warden. We didn't have much. We saved a little bit of money. We went on vacation. We were went down and stayed at the beach down around Captive Island. And there was a restaurant there. We asked some people that had some money that about we were going to treat ourselves to something special. So we came and we went to this restaurant, and it was called the Bubble Room. So I, I, I know it's still there. I don't know it's the same quality. I've not been there, but it always impressed on me that I called them to make a reservation, and I couldn't uh, get a reservation. They told me we open at 5, and you come stand in line. So we went there, and we stood in line. In front of me was a guy that had a yacht, and behind me was a guy that had a yacht. And I'm thinking, what in the world have I got into? But I'm standing in line with these millionaires. They let us in, and I have the best meal I've ever had. The service was impeccable. And I'll never forget that I tipped, I over-tipped that meal, because in my mind, this experience was that great. That I had an experience here that was hundreds of dollars in my mind. And, and, and it was a mistake. I didn't look at the bill. My wife questioned me about it, and I said, man, that meal must have cost, I was just doing the math. And she said it didn't cost that much. You know, so in my mind, I always think about how that experience impressed on me that people were willing to wait in line. You had this great service. And in your mind, you had got something of great value. And that's kind of how I looked at, you know, look at my business. I look at it as I want that. You know, I want people to, I'd rather have some exclusivity. I'd rather have people, you know, I'd rather provide a great service and uh, there's nothing wrong with any other service I'm not saying that but that's kind of the direction I wanted wanted to go with my business if you could have anything on a billboard what would it be get right with God what would be your biggest word of advice to young anglers and, and younger guides I think learn and invest in your clients. Anything else as we wrap up that you want to throw in or say? I'm good. Man, it's been emotional. I know. You're <laughs> the most me. emotional one yet. <laughs> yeah. It's Big Bob. We all loved him. Yeah. And, you know, my father. And I like to think we'll get to fish together again one day. Mm. Well, thanks for taking the time to have Raised us Raised one hell of a man, too. <laughs> Thanks for uh, taking the time today. All right, buddy. Thanks, Big Chip. I'll see you. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Captain's Collective. Hey, please continue to try to spread the word about the podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any ideas or any feedback, please feel free to reach out. We hope that you enjoyed. This is the Captain's Collective. Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.